ask you to take your Bible to turn to John, John chapter 11, and uh, we're going to continue what we were actually talking about last week. And you said, wait a minute, last week was Easter. We talked about the resurrection of our Savior. And today we're going to talk about the resurrection power of our Savior. And the uh, same power that he had in, in the scripture when we talked about last week is the same power that he has today. I wish life was fair. Don't you guys wish life was fair? Yeah. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that sits back and says, I wish life was fair. We look at life and say, I have this plan of what I thought it should be. I, I grew up in a great home. I grew up in a great godly Christian home my entire life. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm trying to be transparent. I want you guys to know that sometimes we want everyone around us to think that we don't have problems. We, we want to look like we have it together. And we feel like almost if I'm transparent, let other people know that I have problems, they're, they're going to think that maybe God's not working in my life or maybe I'm not good enough or I don't add up like the rest of them in here. You, you want to see somebody that has problems today? Just look over your shoulder. Look to your left and look to your right. There's not a person in this world that does not deal with conflict or problems or tribulation or issues or family problems whatsoever. In John chapter 16, you don't have to turn there. I, I just want to read a couple of verses as we're getting ready. These things have I spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. You say, how is that possible? When Jesus said, you'll have peace, but you're going to have in a world filled with tribulation. Because we live in a very broken world. We don't question that. In John chapter 16, verse 33, in the second part of it, he uses that description of tribulation. He didn't say there's a, there's a chance of this. He said, you're going to have, there will come tribulation. Reminds me of Job chapter 14, verse 1. When the Bible says man is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. You say, how is that possible? Well, let me tell you, and I, I've done this a lot. If you guys notice that I, I feel like I reference Adam and Eve in almost every other message. And I go back to the beginning of Adam and Eve when they sinned and God comes and confronts their sin. And God said, hey, something's going to happen you're not going to like. And the Bible describes man and woman and life is that the ground is going to bring forth thorns and thistles. Literally meaning, as you go through life doing everyday things, just trying to feed your family, Adam, when you go out there to pick that fruit, when you go to do daily tasks, you're going to come back and see that that ground or that earth, or this world or this life, will bring forth pain. And it stinks. And it affects us. Everyone goes through heartaches and brokenness in life. You say, when dreams seem shattered. Now, I'll admit, at some point, they get to the point where it just seems like they fall apart. I want to take you to John chapter 11. And I can't remember exactly when it was that I spoke out of this passage before. But one thing stuck out in my mind is the name of Jesus that he gave himself in this passage. And it seems like sometimes we will encounter problems that just don't seem like they're fixable. It's like I, I know that God is there. And I, guys, we'll all say that. And I've been in counseling and say, man, I know that God loves me. And I know that God is there. But in this situation, I just can't see God working. I don't know how God's going to fix this. And I've asked God and it feels like he's just not listening. And that's the description we find in here. 
John 11, verse 1, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary that anointed the Lord with the ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. This personal connection here. When Jesus heard this, the sickness, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When they heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that he saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. And his disciples saying unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou hither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? And if a man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things saith he, after he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said the disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Let's pray. Father, we do ask, Lord, that you'll be with all of us. Lord, I I pray, Lord, that you'll be with me. Lord, as I deliver the words that you've laid upon my heart, Lord, as I have withdrawn, Lord, as, as I thought about today, Lord, how you brought me over and over again to this passage. And Lord, I know without a shadow of a doubt that this is what you wanted us to speak on today. Lord, I pray, Lord, for those that are here that feel like maybe that life is just slipping. Maybe within a ministry that they are part of, a family issue, Lord, a job, finances, whatever it is. But Lord, they can just see cracks, Lord, in the foundation. They can see things starting to unfold. And Lord, they are just, Lord, starting in the back of their mind to fear. But Lord, I also know there are those that are on their knees staring at the pieces. And Lord, they just don't know what to do. Lord, I know that because, Lord, I've been there with counseling. Lord, I've been there with people. And, Lord, sometimes we just get to the point where we just feel like it is too far gone to fix it. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you'll help us understand that you are the resurrection. And you are the life. Lord, thank you for this passage and, Lord, how it speaks to all of us today. In your name we pray. Amen. When dreams seem shattered, because I I don't want to just say that when it's over, it's over. Because the thing is, just like Miss Kay sang about in her song, that sometimes the problem is we leave God out of it. And, And I look in a world around us that is filled with shattered lives and shattered relationships. And they are trying to put the pieces back together. And they look up and they cry out to God in their strength. And almost to say, hey God, this is what I think you want to do. God doesn't work on your terms. God does not work on your terms. And even Abraham, that had it all figured out, God brought him to a place and said, Abraham, here's the thing. All that you have belongs to me. It is my way or no way. It's not under your conditions. I've got it all figured out, but you've got to trust me. I like to trust God when I've got it figured out. 
I like to trust God when I pray and I said, dear God, I'm going to be okay. I just need this, this, and this. Amen. And when God doesn't give me this, this, and this, I stand back and say, what, don't you love me? Don't you know I have this need? And God says, hey, the thing is, I've got bigger plans and I've got different plans, but you've got to do like Abraham did and lay it on the altar and step back and say, God, it's yours. That's easier said than done, even for me as a pastor. It's easier said than done. It's easier to know that I've got hands on it to try to manipulate and and have it. Lazarus is sick. And here Martha and Mary are sitting there trying to do everything in their power to fix it. And they tell Jesus what he needs to do. You do not tell Jesus what he needs to do. But we do it. We do it in our prayers. I've got faith, God, that you're going to do this. And God's, oh, okay. (laughs) You have faith in your plan. You just need me to come power it up, you know. God doesn't work that way. These are good people. They're followers of God. They're not living in sin. They're they're not doing horrible things. They're just people that have a problem. Good people are going to have problems because we live in a world filled with tribulation. Sad to say, but it's the truth. Upon hearing the news that he had already knew. I want you to understand, when dreams seem shattered, number one, we've got to believe, trust, rely on the sovereignty of God. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think we mention this enough. I don't care how bad things get, I don't care how they report what on the news, it does not matter who's in power, it doesn't matter what you're going to hear overseas, it doesn't matter who writes the newest book, my God is in control. He's got it all figured out. He knows, and we can sit there and say, oh, we're living in the last days, and look at this, and the church, and my family, and all this. My God is still on the throne. He is still in control. He's not lost his power, and we need to stop acting like he has. We we get all fearful, and we get all shaken up, and we sit there. God, they, they come to Jesus, and Jesus says, I know, and it's not a matter of saying that you're wrong for running to Jesus with our problems. But sometimes we run to him with the idea that he doesn't have a clue. And then when we get there, we try to explain to him how to fix it. Verse 6, when, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days, still in the same place where he was. We read this, and it does not make sense to us. And I, I, I sit back and I say, all right, God, this and this is happening. I need you now. I need you now. Lord, I need you to do this. We pray that way. And then God doesn't do it. But man, when I'm on the mountaintop, you know what I say? God's timing is always the best timing. Oh, and everybody says amen until I'm in a tight spot. <laughs> then I say, God, I need you right now. I mean, like right now. And Lord, I, I'm praying for this. You know what Jesus prayed? Not my will, but thine be done. Lord, Lord, it's not what I want. Lord, it's whatever you say in your time and your way. Lord, I give it to you. I trust in you. God, you are sovereign. You are in control. You've got it all figured out. It's not a matter of crying out to God. I think it's a matter of how we cry out to God. Here in this passage, he waited two full days. And then he journeys back. Imagine the servant returning and telling Mary and Martha, you know what they were expecting Say, go tell them. Don't, don't, don't just say there's a guy. Say, go tell them it's Lazarus. You know, the one you love, the one you care about, the one that you've got a relationship with. 
And he comes running back, and he's, they, they run out and said, hey, hey, uh, dude, where's Jesus? Remember the plan. Did you not tell Jesus the plan? Did you not tell him he was supposed to come back right now, and he's supposed to fix this and that? Mary and Martha doing everything that they knew to do to fix the problem. But the servant returns by himself. So what did he say? Now listen to this. Have you ever been in a situation and the reason why you're so upset is because it just does not make sense? Why would God let this drag on so long? Why would God let this happen? They're a good person. They do good. They do right. This should not happen to people like this. People are going to step back and say, well, they live right and they serve God. Then God shouldn't let things happen so God can be glorified through good people. You know what I'm saying? Bad things shouldn't happen to good people. How often do we say that? I believe there's a God, but I don't understand why he allows bad things to happen to good people. Don't ever forget that good people live in a bad world. We live in a sin-cursed world. It's all around us. It affects us every single day. God never said that I'm going to do away with tribulation. He said, I'll be with you in the tribulation. That was the promise of God. He said, it, uh, yeah, it's not unto death. Imagine getting that. So what did he say? Jesus said it's not unto death. He's dead. <laughs> Wait a minute. How can it not be unto death if he's already dead? How can God say that he's in control and he'll take care of me if I've already lost my job? The account is empty. I have nowhere to turn. I've already got the results. I was praying that God would make the results negative, not that they would turn around and be positive and God would be with me through it. Man, Mary and Martha, I know they trusted God, but he has bowed there longer. Let me remind you, take you back, because verse 6 is frustrating because of verse 5. See, verse 6 says he abode there two days still in the same place. But verse 5 says, Jesus loved Martha, her sister and Lazarus. Because the thing is, if you love me, then you'd help me, God. Man, I don't feel like God loves me or God cares. Here's something cool, just so you know. We often question the love of God. We often question, not not verbally, we're not going to sit there and say, sometimes we get to that breaking point of saying, God, do you love me? And God says to them in that passage, they said, the one that thou lovest, and the word that they use for love is uh, an affection or a friendship, phileo. And Jesus turned around and said, I love them. And he used the illustration of the word agape. You have no idea how much I love them. But we question the love of God. We question the sovereignty of God. We question his presence when we're going through something that does not make sense, there's a deep statement being made here. Before you draw a conclusion, before you get to the end of the story, before you second guess, before you think that I don't care, you need an understanding first and foremost that God loves you. And God cares about where you're at. Please note that all of these verses are here in person, on purpose for God's glory. The lesson here is simply that God knows our crazy, messed up lives and he cares about us in the midst of it. Remember that God is in control. 
See, when bad things begin to happen, we begin to think that God has lost control. That's when God's going to step in to show to us that he is ultimately in control. But the only way we're going to understand that, church, is when we get to the point where we begin to lose control. We're not going to know that God has control unless we lose control. And we just don't like that in life. We must rely and remember the sovereignty of God. But here's the next thing. We must rely on the presence of God. The next part is so us. Here, here in this passage, in John 11, verse 17, when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days Jesus had raised the dead before, and you say, why is this a big deal? He went up to the woman that's carrying the son, and he turned around, and he said, rise and walk. And he, raised, he, was, he, he rose up, and he walked, and the power of God was there. And you say, why is this any different? Because now it is a situation that is far, far beyond hope. I don't know about you guys. Today, we, we, we have this technology and all these things that we're able to preserve a body when a body passes away. And I'm not trying to be gross or anything. But back then, they did not have what we have today. Do you know what they were trying to explain here? Four days. Four days. It is far beyond hope. It's shattered. It's broken. It's gone. God, it stinketh. How many of you problems have problems in your life and say, dear God... It's not just a problem, my husband stinketh, you know. My marriage stinketh. It is far beyond. I believe, God, if you would have stepped in here, I believe if you would have come immediately, I believe if you would have brought him to church, if he was saved when we were young. But God, it is beyond hope. Four days, he's a stiff. It's done. It's over. God, we've moved on. Even in my heart, as much as I believe, God... It is too late. Now listen to this. In verse 18, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furloughs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to con- con- uh, comfort her, them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. You know, she's saying politely as possible, Lord, if you would have just came when I asked. Lord, that day that I went to the altar and I said, God, I'm having a problem. And I went back and the problem was there on Monday. God, I would not have this issue today if you would have been there when I asked you to be there. Let me go back to point number one. God is in control. God had it all figured out. God knew what he was going to do. God had a plan that's bigger than our plan. It's always better than our plan. Verse 23. I'll go to verse 22. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Lord, even now. Lord, I know that you can do the impossible. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And this is what she says. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection. Lord, I know when it's all done. Lord, I know I've got the hope of heaven, but that's not going to fix this situation. What kind of response is this? Look at verse 4 again. When Jesus heard that the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. You know what Jesus was saying? He said, I have a plan for this mess. Have you ever thought that maybe the mess that you're in is not even about you? Have you ever thought that all these people are gathered together and just said that all these people came 
from all over the place. Why? To comfort them in the middle of their mess. They had drawn attention to the problem, and God was saying, how many people are there? Lord, they keep coming in. Good. All right, guys, let's stay back a little bit. How many people's there? Man, they're coming in from all over the place. Family is filled. Food is everywhere. It is a mess. God said, great. It's time. I, I think the thing is, what they don't realize is I've got big plans for what you think is a total mess. Have you ever thought what God wants to do in your mess? But the thing is, because you don't understand it, you don't trust in his plan. There's things that God's doing behind the scenes right now that you have no idea what he's working out. There is things that God has prepared for you, but sometimes we have to go through it in order to reap the blessing of what God wants to do in it. But we lose faith and lose heart in the middle of that. I've often wondered... When I hear things, and, and I, I say this a lot, and some of you probably walked out of my office frustrated and everything and saying, Pastor Tony says, man, I'm excited for you. I, I hear people that are in a mess, and I say, man, I'm excited for you guys. And they say, all right, that's the last thing I want to hear is you're excited about my mess. Because I'm thinking, think about what God can do through this. Think about where everybody comes around you and says, man, my finances are such a mess, or my life is such a mess, or my marriage, or my kids, my husband is so unreachable, my children are so far from God. And everybody's on the outside looking in. And God said, do you realize when I step in what I could do with this? You see, what's lacking in this situation is Mary and Martha did everything they knew to do. Guys, isn't it funny how we'll stress and we'll worry, we trust God, but we can't sleep? We'll believe that God can do anything. We'll stand and sing indescribable. Who's the one that tells the lightning where to strike? The oceans, how far they can go. Makes the blood moon shine in the sky. And we stand there in all of this enormous beauty of God. God's able to do all these things around us. And then we step back and we doubt in the little things. And I'm not trying to belittle your problems. But the whole situation here is God saying, I am the resurrection I'm not here just to patch up your problems. I'm here to redeem, restore, rebuild, and give life to that. It is dead. But how much faith do you have to God to do that? Because it's easy to sing a song. And it's easy to teach a class. And it's easy to tell somebody else when they're going the whole hard time. But it's a lot different when it's you having to trust in God. I'm not trying to say that Mary and Martha were not good people. But he said in this passage, I know often that he's the life and God says he gives life. But man, he brought a whole new dimension. He had not yet risen from the grave. And I almost wish we had that tomb here to illustrate that again. How he came over and he conquered death, hell, and the grave because he had the power to do so. But in this situation, he tells him and he describes himself, I am the resurrection. You know what God is saying by that? God is simply telling us, I can make things that stink, make things that are dead, live again, is what God was saying. And sometimes you'll never experience that type of power of God until it gets to a point where it's beyond your help. When your dreams seem shattered, when your goals seem busted, when your finances seem like they are unreachable or unfixable, how often do we say the terms that with God all things are possible? 
But let me ask you, how will you ever experience that unless you deal with things that are impossible in your life? Because if you can handle them, then you're not going to ever claim that they're impossible. And if they're not impossible, then God cannot show his glory in that situation to do what you could never do. God had a plan through all this. Yet we push away God, we push away church, we push away the people around us, and we wonder why things seem dead. Nothing changed in this situation until Jesus showed up. The reason why I'm inviting people back to church, and last Sunday when we had Easter Sunday, and we had all these people and we were doing this, because I want them to understand, you can't do it in and of yourself. It must be Jesus that steps in to take over to do what you cannot do. You have tried, you have begged, you have pleaded, you have done all those things in your life to fix it, but only God has the power to be the resurrection in your life, to make dead things live. Here's a weird one. Look at verse 39. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha's sister said unto him, that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, but it's been dead four days. So why is that so weird? He just said, God, you can do anything. She's the one that said it. She's the one that said, Lord, I know that you are. And Lord, I know that you have the power. And I know all these things. Even now is the quote that she said in that passage. But when Jesus stepped in to do it, she stood back and said, hey, I thought we told you he was dead. Wait wait a minute. God's saying, do you believe me or not? Because the thing is, sometimes God says, all right, let's do something about this. And you hold back and go, oh, that doesn't make sense. Wait a minute, God. That, that's, that's not what I was thinking was going to fix this. And God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Don't try to figure it out. Jesus said, take away the stone. And they begin to argue. And you say, what, what, why four days? by that time the situation was rotten I mean it was it became foul there, there's nobody 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 that thought there was any hope to fix this Martha is much like us verse 22 when she says but I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask God God will give it to thee so Jesus said in verse 39 take away the stone we must remember the sovereignty of God We must look back and invite the presence of God. But let me close with this and say we must trust in the power of God. See, talk is cheap and we can sing it and we can say it. We believe it and we trust in God to do what he says he'll do. And I'm not saying that I know what that is because I promise you this. Nobody on that day stood back and said, all right, let's see this dead man that's been dead four days walk out of the grave. Nobody believed that part of it. Nobody. Nobody was expecting it. You just say, how do you know that? Because even the ones that was closest to Jesus and closest to Lazarus stood back and questioned God's motive when he turned around and said, roll back the stone. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where it was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said that thou mayest believe that thou hast sent me. You know what he was doing? 
He's saying, God, I know why you sent me, and I know what this is about. And God, I know that a lot right now that people are going to come to know you as a result of this. Jesus even himself sit back and say, God, I know this is not my, about me. God, it's not about what I want. It's not about my attention. Even in this situation, he said, may you be glorified. When's the last time in the trial that you live with, you stand back and say, God, I realize my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, God, I want you to be glorified in my good times. Glory be glorified in my bad times. Because it's not about us. And he pointed all the glory to God for what's about to happen. And when he thus had spoken, he cried aloud with a voice, Lazarus, come forth. And I know we say the joke often that he had to say Lazarus because every grave and every dead body would have walked out at that time. <laughs> Zombie apocalypse right there. Verse 44, and he that was dead came forth. You say, why, how, why is this possible? Because my God has the ability to make dead things live. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your life or what you're facing or what you've given up on. It's a matter of trusting in God to do his will and his way. Because sometimes we sit there and say, all right, God, I want you to give me this or reunite me with them. That doesn't mean that it's God's plan. We've got to trust in God's plan, not just our plan. But we have to trust in the power of God to do what we cannot do ourselves. There's so many broken lives today. And yet we run through everything under the sun to try to fix the pieces and make me feel whole again. And I think so many people have given up on certain aspects of their life or gotten to the point where they just say, you know what, I stopped praying about this. Have you stopped praying about things? Because you just said that, hey, I've tried it all. I've prayed it all. I've fasted. I've done all this. But have you ever stopped to realize that maybe God's waiting for you to say, hey, God, it's yours. I give it to you no matter what happens. It is for your glory, your honor. Lord, take something that is a mess that you will be glorified in the midst of it. I want you guys to know this. Everybody has a story to tell about broken lives. I've been in and out of church, and uh, you know, I grew up here and I loved it. I've loved all the people. I love Pastor Tony. He was the first big godly influence in my life, other than my parents. Our whole youth group graduated. And we all went our separate ways. And um, more personally, I went to college. I went to OSU. Uh, I got lost with my life, um, basically with God. I, I lost. I lost my uh, connect. Not connection. I could still talk to him, but I just lost that love inside that I used to experience as a kid every day. And, uh, you know, I thought I could, you know, do without it and, you know, fill it with other things. I knew God was missing in my life and I didn't want to own up to it. I, I more so wanted to hide it um, with all the other bad things that you could cover it up with and these things would only last, obviously, for a night or a day. They weren't fulfilling. They didn't give me that love I felt as a young child. And just recently, um, 
things took a turn for the worse. But basically, you know, I hit rock bottom. And as a Christian, I know I'm saved. I know I was saved, but this saved Christian hit rock bottom. I didn't understand how that worked. So, tell you the truth, I'm lost. Not lost in the way of where I'm going. I know I'm going to heaven, but I'm lost in what God wants me to do. So, obviously, to fix that, I've got to um, become a better person and just give up the things that I thought would make it better and to just give my life to God and start helping out around the church and I just need to start doing things to the glory of Him because that's the only way I feel alive inside. Your life might become shattered like mine, but even though I'm saved, you know, and people don't think, you know, you, you can, your life could be shattered when you're saved. People think that your life is always, you know, it will be okay at the end of the day since you have God, but if you don't participate with Him, if you don't show Him love, if you don't show Him glory, then He, the devil can take over and He can do a lot of bad things to break a, a grown man's, you know, heart and spirit and will. So even though my life is, you know, per se shattered right now, um, I still have hope in the glory of God to bring me back to where I need to be. Um, and I know as long as he's in my life and uh, I include him in my life, that he will always watch over me no matter what problems I go through. And he'll always have my back no matter what. I tell you, every week, sanctuary is filled with people like that. Kyle came to me and he just said, I, I don't know what to do. I said, you, you put Jesus back in the middle of it all. And I, and I know in something like this, it takes a lot of guts for Kyle to do what he did. I'm going to be honest, it takes a lot of guts. But I wanted Kyle to know that he's not alone. And if anybody looks down at somebody like that, you've got bigger issues yourself. There is none righteous, no, not one. In Galatians, it talks about a lot of things dealing with one another. But one of the things that it says to bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Christ. 